Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It's not your faithfulness because you and I are not all that faithful. Some of us may be more faithful than others, but none of us are all that faithful. But He is faithful. He is faithful. And so when the Lord will say, God looks down on us, His children, what He sees is us covered by His Son's blood, which is faithful, which is right, which is true. It's pure, it's clean. How faithful does someone have to be to earn the right to heaven? Where is the cut line? And more importantly, will you make that cut? Well, today, Pastor James has some very good news. It's not based on your performance. It's based on Jesus's performance. When Jesus died on the cross, his faithfulness earned heaven for those that trust in him. When you put your trust in the blood of Christ rather than in your own religiosity, God sees the faithfulness of his son when he looks at you. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. It says in verse 8, the beast you saw uh, was and is not but is about to come up from the abyss and then go to destruction. And you're like, what? (laughs) Like, excuse me? Um, Was, but is not. About to go back to the, this is the Antichrist. Remember when they thought they killed him and he rose again from the dead kind of a thing? Or at least that's what they want you to think or will want everybody to believe. This is what he's referencing here. The beast you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Uh, those who dwell on the earth will marvel. They'll be amazed at this, at what happens, okay? So he's talking about the beast. We've identified them because we know that's a reference earlier in Revelation. We're specifically talking about the Antichrist. It says, those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. So basically what this angel is saying, is like, look, that beast with all the heads and the horns, he's the Antichrist. He's false. Okay, he's a counterfeit. What's going to happen is the world's going to watch him die, quote unquote, and then watch him miraculously be raised back to life. And they're like, that's the Messiah. That's the one the Bible has been talking about. There he is. Let's worship that guy. All those other knuckleheads have gotten it wrong for so many years. But this is the real deal. He's a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit. But the world, the ones whose names are not written in the book of life, meaning that they don't belong to the Lord. And they don't belong to the Lord because they have not wanted to belong to the Lord. All right? Name's not written in that book because they don't want their name recorded in that book. Because that book's the book of life, and darkness hates light. Right? Because God is light, and darkness hates light and wants nothing to do with light. Read John chapter 1. They want nothing to do with him. But this guy who seemingly dies and raises back to life, well, we want to follow that guy. So they're astounded. They're amazed. Verse 9, it says, this requires a mind that has wisdom. Okay? Um, Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. So the seven mountains or the seven hills, that's a reference geographically. That's a reference to Rome because Rome is situated on seven hills. Okay? 
That's why everybody believes that this will center around Rome. That's why you have the Vatican right there, and people will put the pieces of the puzzle together and be like, well, that would make sense if you have, if you establish, let's say, I'm not saying he is, because I don't know anything about the popes or anything like that, but let's just say, practically speaking, we'll just nominate this guy to be over all religions. And you'd be like, well, that doesn't seem like that would jive, right? Like that would fit together. Well, it will when your pope is like, yeah, all religions are basically the same thing, which we are trending towards that like every single day. It seems like with every pope we get, um, they definitely start leaning way more towards that direction. And I think this guy who's currently there, um, again, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't want to assume anything about him, but I have read articles uh, in where he has been quoted as basically saying the same thing of like, well, you just believe what you want to believe. And it's like, whoa, that's kind of dangerous, <laughs> especially when over it's what close to like a billion people consider this guy to be the holy anointed representative of God. That's dangerous. I'm not saying he is, and I'm not saying Roman Catholicism will be that, but I do find it interesting that the Bible is saying like, look, seven heads, they're the seven mountains, they're the seven hills that this woman, this religious system, she is seated upon these things. Interesting. What other religion is geographically within that region? It's primarily Roman Catholicism. So again, because it could switch, it could change, whatever, but I just find it so fascinating. And as John's writing this, you know, because for him, you're going to get a list of these kings and all this stuff. So John maybe in his time period looking at this is like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially not too long after this, historically, Rome would like make, you know, Christianity, I'll call it Christianity with quotes, the national religion. Because I'm going to use quotes because I don't really believe that what they practiced was always true Christianity, all right? If you read your history, um, they were doing things in the name of the Lord that weren't really biblical, okay? She's seated at these seven hills, uh, the seven mountains. They're also the seven kings. Verse 10 says, five have fallen, one is, and neither has not yet come. But whenever he does come, he must remain for only a brief time. He'll only be around for just a little bit. What's fascinating about this, at this moment in time when John is writing this, Domitian was the emperor. He was the ruling emperor right there. He would have been the one right before whoever this one's going to show up and rule for just a little bit. Because all the other ones, five had already fallen. They had already seen that taking place within Rome. So you got Domitian who's ruling at this point in time, and he's a bad dude. Um, he was very anti-church. And so a lot of this is kind of probably hitting home with John, but there was going to be one more. Well, who was the next one? Who was the one more? Who was that bad guy going to be? And what we believe and what we see here is the one who will rule for a short period of time, well, that's going to be the Antichrist because really he only rules for a short period of time. Even if he ruled for the entire length of the tribulation, that's only seven years. That's not even two terms, two presidential terms. That's not a long time. So the angel's like seven heads, seven mountains. There are seven kings. Five have already fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. But whenever he does come, must remain for only a brief time. Verse 11, the beast that was and is not is himself an eighth king. There you go, Antichrist. And yet is one of the seven. 
and is going to destruction. The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but will receive ruling authority as kings with the beast for one hour. Okay, so this is where all this crazy stuff starts to come into play. Okay, so you got the Antichrist. This is why some people believe he'll be of European you know, descent, or he'll be, at least geographically, he'll be in that region. He'll come to power. He'll assign different people, you know, 10 other uh, individuals or whatever. They'll establish this like um, one world governing system is what it's going to be, okay? Is it the uh, European Union? That's what a lot of people like to think, right? So 10 nations in the European Union, well, that thing's changing all the time, okay? So I don't even know, there's not 10 in there. There's more than 10 in there now, I believe. Um, so will they winnow that down to 10 and it's the EU and, and along with the Antichrist? I don't know. Could be. Makes sense. It would make sense. But I'm not going to lose any sleep on it trying to figure it out because I don't really care. <laughs> and I don't want to seem callous about this stuff. Um, I care about the end times. I don't care about the Antichrist. I don't care about who these 10 rulers are. I don't care about what I would care most about are the people and more specifically the ones who are getting saved during this time period because the Antichrist is never going to be saved, doesn't want to be saved, wants nothing to do with Jesus, nothing at all, nothing at all, never did, never will, totally anti-Jesus. These 10 kings and authorities and all that stuff, these guys, they're all part of like this false system whether it's the religious side or the political side or economical side, they don't care. They don't care about the people and they don't care about God. They don't care about Jesus, right? So I'm not going to lose any sleep trying to figure out like, well, who will the 10 nations be? I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. It'll be 10. There you go, all right? If you're around to see this come to fruition, you probably want to take a second to say, you know what, Lord, I think I may miss something. Okay, because number one, you don't want to be around. You don't want to see this come to pass. You want to be gone. You want to be gone. Whether you're pre-trib or mid-trib, some of this stuff happens. Or probably you'll see some of this coming to fruition around the mid-trib time, the middle part of the tribulation and all that. Point is, if you do want to see it happen, well, why not see it from the club seats, right? That's the best place. Air-conditioned, right? Forever. Forever AC. In heaven, there's always going to be air conditioning, right? It's not going to be like hell. That's where the AC never works, right? So you get the club seats. You get the best food available. You get the best view, the best vantage point, all that good stuff. That's where you want to see this kind of come to place. And then that's where we'll be like sitting next to each other, not six feet apart or anything like that. We'll be sitting next to each other like, oh, see, I told you. See, see, Germany. I told you Germany was going to be there, right? Like, but could Germany be one of the 10? I don't know. Could be. Doesn't matter. The point is, we want to be aware of these things. We want to be aware of these things. You got to pay attention to the signs. You got to pay attention to the signs. So when you see things happening within the headlines and the articles about these countries are now coming together, and I guess there's even a peace treaty today that was signed. Um, it just flashed across my, the screen of my phone and stuff. I don't know what that means right now because I didn't have time to look at it. All I know is it involves Israel and somebody, and that's always big news, okay? You always want to pay attention to that stuff. You want to be aware because movement, especially within Europe and the Middle East, for sure, it always should awaken that thing within inside of us of like, man, we're getting close. We're getting closer. It feels like we're getting closer. 
these 10 kings, they'll raise up, you know, authority will be put onto them from this Antichrist. Verse 13, the kings will have a single intent and they will give their power and authority to the beast. So it's not like they're just puppets, basically. They give their power and authority to the beast and they will make war with the lamb. They're making war with the lamb. That's Jesus. But the lamb will conquer them, of course, because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those accompanying the lamb, us, all of us, are the called, chosen, and faithful. Here's something you can write down or you can underline, circle within your Bibles. Those who are accompanying the lamb, what we believe is that is us as believers right now. Notice what the Bible says about you. In the midst of Revelation, Revelation chapter 17, the Bible mentions you, called, chosen, faithful. You can circle each and every one of those words, and you write under there, I got a little space right there, I can write James Grizzle. Now, is that how I see myself? Well, not all the time. Called, for sure. Called by God. I know God has called me, and not just like called me into the ministry, but he has called me one of his kids. He's called me into that relationship. He has chosen me. That always blows my mind, that God would pick me, that God would want us, that God would specifically want me. It's such a humbling thing. But it also says faithful. Well, I don't, Lord, I don't know if that really applies to me because I know my track record, and it's not good, (laughs) and it's not good. But it's not how we perceive ourselves. It's how the Lord sees us. And that's why you can circle that word and you can write your name there because it's not your righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness placed on you. It's not your faithfulness because you and I are not all that faithful. Some of us may be more faithful than others, but none of us are all that faithful. But he is faithful. He is faithful. And so when the Lord will say, God, looks down on us, his children, what he sees is us covered by his son's blood, which is faithful, which is right, which is true. It's pure. It's clean. That's why it's just amazing. There's three little words right there. And he's like, hey, don't forget, the Lord's going to conquer whoever these kings are. Doesn't even matter because Jesus is king of kings. It doesn't even matter. He's the only king you'll ever need to be concerned about. The only one you really ever need to know is Jesus. He's the king of kings. So don't stress out on trying to figure out who these 10 nations are or 10 whatever. No, 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 no. Jesus. He's the only one we're focused on. Verse 15, then the angel said to me, the waters you saw, because remember she was seated there. There was all these waters uh, where the prostitute is seated, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages, or people, um, multitudes, nations, tongues, uh, just a representation of all sorts of different people that have like kind of gathered to her. It says the 10 horns that you saw and the beast, these will hate the prostitute and make her desolate and naked, and they will consume her flesh and burn her up with fire. Well, there you go. There you go. What will happen, and if she represents religion, it's a house divided. It's Babylon. But it's like turning. The political and economical side of things will turn against her, and they will devour her. They will destroy her. 
in this religious side of Babylon. Absolute destruction. They'll just demolish her. It says, verse 17, for God has put into their minds to carry out his purpose by making a decision to give their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. As for the woman you saw, she is the great city that has sovereignty over the kings of the earth. So she has like this sovereignty this who rules or has some reign over these kings, and they hate that. They hate it. They hate this religion thing and whatever was given to her and the power and the prestige that was, uh, you know, directed towards this religious system, they hate it and they turn against it and they destroy it. What they can never do to Christianity, they are able to do to themselves because this is their system. Like it or not, this is the world's religious system. This is the church they wanted. They may have never wanted to come to church when Jesus was here, when the Holy Spirit was here, they hated everything that we represent. But when they finally get the quote-unquote church that they want, they end up hating it, and they destroy it. They destroy it. So that's one aspect of Babylon that is destroyed. Now we'll go through 18. Now, 18 is a lot of things are kind of repeated here. So you'll see that we'll be able to cruise through this chapter um, pretty quickly. But so you dealt with the great prostitute you know, and all that good stuff. But now we're looking at Babylon as a whole in totality that gets wiped out. This is after these things. He's like tripping out on this lady anyways. And he's like, what in the world is going on? And then all these kings turn against her and they completely destroy her. And after these things, I saw another angel who possessed great authority coming down out of heaven. And the earth was lit up by his radiance. So this angel, then another angel, a high-ranking angel who, like, is just shining, just glowing brightly. He shouted with a powerful voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. There's Babylon the Great. It's finally been destroyed. You may be thinking like, well, that's cool. Um, but how does this apply to me? We've always felt the effects of Babylon. We may not have been the children of Israel who were carried away to Babylon, right? Because of their unfaithfulness to God, they were taken away to Babylon. And if you remember that whole story, you got uh, Daniel um, is a great little um, insight into that whole scenario there. Um, Isaiah speaks of it and all that stuff. Um, but I would say the spirit of Babylon, this Babylon, this worldly system, it's always affected all of us. And so the destruction of the city, whether, and it probably is an actual physical city, but I mean, it goes beyond that. It's talking about this worldly system is destroyed, destroyed. And everything that has always been associated with this worldly system is now been like just cut off. It's killed, it's destroyed, it's rubble. Babylon the Great is fallen. And for emphasis, it's repeated, is fallen. It's a dwelling place of demons. It once was a, and probably as it gets built up again, it'll be the city of like a gleaming, you know, just bright, beautiful place. And it'll be the all attention, all focus, almost like the temple kind of a deal, right? All attention is focused on this one place. And look how amazing Babylon is. Look how great we are as human beings. Um, we have 
accomplished this. And in an instant, God's like, squash, (laughs) squash. This isn't even anything that's like, you know, new for us. If you're reading the Bible, you've already encountered this story. There's the Tower of Babel, a ziggurat. It's a pyramid-type structure that they constructed. They tried to get it to reach up to heaven. Why? Because they wanted to show God, we're better than you. They're laughing at God. They're mocking God and saying, hey, we're smarter than you. Look at that. Your creation has outsmarted you. We've one-upped you, God, which means what? We don't need you. We don't want you. We don't need you. We're way smarter than you. And I can tell you this, those individuals at that point in time, and sometimes we think like anybody who lived that many years ago that they weren't as smart as us, I think they were probably smarter than we are. They were geniuses. They were brilliant. Let's just all come together. Let's all work together to build this monument to ourselves to show how great humanity is. God's like, um, humanity's bad. That's why I sent my son to die for you guys. Because you guys kill each other. You guys hate each other. Oh, let's, no, 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 we'll work it out. We'll all come together. We'll throw aside our differences. And we'll come together and we'll figure this thing out. The world's already tried this multiple times. It doesn't work because sin is always in the midst of the equation. Humanity cannot come together and figure it out because of the presence of sin. It's not possible. Now, you remove sin from the equation, and people can come together. And that takes Jesus dying on the cross, and then when he constructs his building, which is the church, which you and I all make up parts of this building, it can come together, and it's the most beautiful thing, and it's the strongest thing ever. It can be people from different cultures, different races, different backgrounds, different economical status, and and all that stuff. None of that matters because Jesus knows how to put it all together. And that's what we're witnessing right now. This is the church age. This is when a miracle is happening in our existence, in our presence. As the Lord is adding two churches, churches are coming together. That's a miracle. That is accomplishing what humanity has tried to accomplish from like day whatever. And they've failed miserably at this thing. But this representation of this, like, let's just all come together. Let's just all figure this out. Destroyed. Destroyed. Verse 3, it says, For all the nations have fallen from the wine of her immoral passion. And the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have gotten rich from power and of her sensual behavior. They've gotten rich off of the abundance of her luxury. This is all Babylon, this system. It's like, look, the nation's... They all benefited from her, and now the nations, and you'll see in a second, are watching from a distance as this thing is burning down. And they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no, wait, wait a minute. We all got rich off of Babylon. We were all thriving because of Babylon, and now it's in ruins. What does that mean for us? Here's a cool little verse. Actually, two verses. I already have them highlighted or underlined in this new Bible here. It says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so you will not take part in her sins, and so you will not receive her plagues, because her sins have piled up all the way to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. And I wrote down right next to mine in the little bitty gap there that it gives me just barely a little space, Tower of Babel. Hope to the hopeless hope. 
You've just been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Calvary Galveston is a church dedicated to speaking the name of Jesus into every life that tunes into this broadcast. The verse-by-verse teaching of Revelation comes to you from Pastor James Grizzle out of Galveston, Texas. If you're not in the area to spend time with us on Sunday mornings or on Thursday evenings, would you go to breadforthebroken.com to live stream our service? We promise that your faith will grow. While you're there, and if the Lord leads you to do so, there's a specific spot for donations of any size. We'd be grateful not only for this consideration, but also for your prayers. This is a powerful way to be connected with the ministry and to share Jesus with others. We want them to experience hope and new life in Jesus. You can get more information about that at breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful that you took the time to be with us, and we trust that you'll come back again to hear more truth. In the meantime, though, would you email us with what's happening in your life, being sure to include any questions or comments about today's message. We seek to serve you better, and this helps us to do so. Just visit breadforthebroken.com. Once there, there's a contact tab at the top of the page that can get you started. We look forward to hearing more biblical teaching from Pastor James, and we hope that you're on the same page, so join us again. Well, we're out of time for today, and until next time, this has been Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.